Gambit plays out his hand against the new son in Gambit, the complete collection, volume two. And then did, uh, the Justice Society stories get better towards the end? We'll find out as we take a look at All-Star Comics Archives, Volume 8, straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, if you've been listening for a while, one of the first things we reviewed was uh, Gambit, the Complete Collection, Volume 1. And I made a joke that uh, there was no Complete Collection, Volume 2, uh, and this had been out for several years. Well, we finally got volume two of this uh, collection of the late 90s, early 2000 Gambit series. So uh, we'll uh, continue with that. The book starts out with Sunset Dawn. And in this one, uh, Remy has learned from his adopted father that uh, he had uh, gone back to 1891 and even... Uh, provided Remy with photographic proof. Uh, so now he's got to take care of that just because for time to stay on course, he's got to go back in time and do what he already did. And that's no problem. All he's got to do is assemble an elite team and go into Latveria and uh, steal uh, access to uh, one of Dr. Doom's time machines. Latveria at this point was in a bit of turmoil and chaos, so didn't actually have to battle Doom himself, but had had uh, a lot of time just getting back there. And uh, so he does go back in time, and uh, in the course of this, uh, he is runs into uh, Mr. Sinister. Now, Mr. Sinister is uh, operating an illegal uh, scheme. He had insisted on bringing Jacob Gavin Jr., a.k.a. Courier, back with him. Uh, Courier has the power to uh, shape change, and that becomes important because... Uh, Mr. Sinister is operating as an OBGYN. So uh, Jacob Gavin Jr. Uh, turns himself into a woman so that he can go undercover to investigate Sinister. However, things go wrong, horribly wrong. Gambit eventually gets there to rescue uh, Gavin, but finds that uh, he is in an unstable state. And he's going to have to give Mr. Sinister something that he wants. And Mr. Sinister does some things to Gambit's powers. Uh, because Gambit doesn't have a choice if he's going to stabilize uh, Gavin. Unfortunately for Gavin, he is... And this is where the book gets a little bit confusing. Uh, it states that he is able to shape change, but he cannot return to his natural male form. Uh, his uh, default male form, and is stuck in a default female form for the rest of the book. I'm, you know, I, I am not really certain how uh, or what uh, the writer was intending. It it seemed at times to be almost played as a comedic thing, uh, 
but he didn't uh, really seem, uh, Jacob didn't really seem to, uh, take it, uh, as a, a big, uh, comedy thing and play it that way. It wasn't, uh, like some expression of desire, but he also didn't act, I think, like how a guy in the situation would act in situations where you did not have any need to disguise yourself as a woman. So I don't know what purpose that all served. But I think the rest of the story was really good. They did a lot of uh, world building uh, involving the Thieves Guild involving Kendra, and involving uh, the backstory of Remy's father. And uh, I think the art of the 19th century era is really well done in this. We do actually get a gambitless epi- uh, episode in this uh, book, where uh, at the end of taking care of what needs to be done in 1891, uh, Gambit and Jacob are still trapped there, and so somebody has to get them out, and so we get an issue that really focuses on Rogue and her efforts to get Gambit back. It's a nice little showcase for Rogue, and uh, it's a pretty fun uh, story the way it works out. Gambit's powers have actually grown, and that leads into the story The More Things Change. Where actually, uh, because of a change in power the, uh, by uh, Gambit, uh, th- their relationship between him and Rogue uh, can proceed in a way that uh, it hasn't before. Because traditionally, Gambit and Rogue have been a bit of a star-crossed pair. Uh, because of Rogue's powers, she tends to absorb the power-slash-energy of uh, people that she touches. So if she kisses uh, someone, they can take she can take their powers or their memories. Uh, but because of Gambit's uh, kinetic powers being so supercharged, that's no longer the case. However, throughout the story, these powers are amping up, and they also have a realization about their uh, relationship. Um... He does back off a relationship with Rogue uh, just because uh, if he does begin to get excited, he gets too dangerous. Plus, he has a realization about the relationship uh, that the whole idea that it's just the power uh, problems that are incumbent on any potential relationship, uh, that that's all that's stopping them is a bit of, of a misnomer. And he says to run into each other would mean confronting and dealing and accepting everything that has happened in the past. Neither one of us is ready for that. I'm ready to change to move forward, but I know I can't do it with you until you're ready to do it for yourself. And I think that is a neat insight. The idea that, you know, you can't just explain the entire human relationship thing with superpowers. Though, I did find it a little contradictory how he said that neither one of them are ready, and then said, yeah, but I'm ready, but you're not. (laughs) Um... Uh, but at any rate, at the end of that story, he takes over the leadership of the Thieves Guild, which leads into the next story, which is Assassination Game, 
where uh, his ex-wife, Bella, has uh, put out a contract on him. However, she's not the only one. Actually, uh, the new son, who had been employing Remy, and actually had been uh, employing both Jacob and Fontenelle, uh, who had been visiting a bunch of people in their dreams throughout the book, He put out a contract with an expiration date, and so uh, you have every assassin um, and their brother uh, trying to collect. You have uh, Deadpool, Bullseye, Crossbones, uh, the uh, executioner, the new one. You actually have the old one has resumed his civilian identity, uh, after being defeated by Remy early in the vo- earlier in the volume, and you find out that he is as verbose as ever, though maybe a bit more circumspect, which makes him a more interesting character. I mean, I think the entire arc is a really fun uh, free-for-all, where you have all of these uh, villains and uh, assassins at work, and this conflict with the Assassin's Guild... Uh, with some of them saying, wait, you guys have got to back off because this is our contract. Um, and he does end up making peace with uh, Belladonna, his ex-wife, which would be important for the rest of the book. At the end of the story, he, he in the um, uh, main uh, issues, he's kidnapped by Archangel, Leading into the annual, which is just an incredible issue that leads to the big reveal um, that uh, the whole New Sun arc has been building up with, and the that is the reveal of who the New Sun is, and it's an it's an interesting twist uh, in that it's actually Remy, but Remy from another universe and with another background and not having the same accent but essentially the same power set next up is in dreams uh and this is where uh, remy ends up meeting with up with fontanelle and she reveals that she had started out working as a bit of a contractor uh, on behalf of the new son, uh, to look into and to make contact with, uh, people who knew Remy, uh, in their dreams. And that they come up with a plan of action. And the issue ends with, uh, uh, Jacob Gavin having transformed himself into Charles Xavier. The next issue, uh, Gavin uses Xavier's, uh, Clarence in order to get into the Pentagon. And uh, there uh, they run into Mystique, who tries to get the drop on Remy, but quickly learns that his powers are such that she can't stop him. And Remy's able to persuade her that what's going on is important enough that she should uh, back off. And so she does. Then we have Follow the Leader, uh, and essentially the Thieves and Assassin's Guild have united under Remy, but there's a question over whether they should uh, remain united, and whether Remy should stay the leader, and so they are having a discussion while an assassin comes after Remy determined to kill him. 
And it's an interesting story where uh, these two different storylines are going on. And, you know, they don't actually seem to naturally intersect, but they do end up intersecting in a clever way. And uh, it's interesting to see how the vote and the debate play out. And so I enjoyed that particular issue. Uh, the next one up was uh, Shell Game, which was a tie-in to the maximum security uh, 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 event in Marvel Comics. And I don't think it worked as well uh, as uh, the, the X-Men events that... Uh, that uh, Gambit issues were taken up with in the first book. It, uh, though he did uh, stay in New Orleans, was leading the Thieves and Assassins Guild, it's kind of a distraction from the main storyline, but it does actually get on track at the end of the story, uh, leading to Sunrise, Sunset where we learn more from the new son that not only what did he have all the powers of Gambit, uh, but on his world, his powers actually destroyed the world. And uh, he has got a plan uh, to uh, go and stop all of the other uh, uh, Remy's from uh, destroying the wor their worlds with their powers. And we finally learn his plan and it's to kill Remy. And I just kind of had to ask myself out loud, really, that's it? Uh, because, you know, if that was your plan, if just killing um, uh, Gambit was going to solve the problem, you could have just not rescued him at the start of the series. I mean, that would pretty much do it. I mean, if you're going to do a Kill Gambit plot, uh, there are a lot more ways to make that actually make sense than it does in this particular uh, context. But the fight between Gambit and New Sun is pretty clever. And uh, that actually wraps up the main run on this story uh, by uh, the writer uh, Fabian uh, Narcisa. However, there is an issue 25 in there, which is the final issue of Gambit's series, but it more sets the stage for things that would happen in the Gambit and Bishop series. And this one begins with a flashback to New Orleans when Gambit was a, a child and attempted to uh, steal something from a big crime boss and uh, was told, was let go, but told he would be called back to uh, repay his debt. And so at a party, somebody comes up to him and says, you know, you've got to pay your debt, and Gambit goes along. And it turns out that the mob boss has actually fallen on really hard times. And you get the story of him and his daughter and how their relationship went downhill, and he stopped paying attention to his business, stopped taking care of himself, and uh, the uh, result was he fell into poverty. And also at the same time, his daughter, who had had a successful career, uh, had uh, uh, fallen ill. And what's wrong with her is that her heart was missing, yet she's still alive. 
And there are other people with this ailment, and it's up to Gambit to go out and solve it. This could be totally stupid, but I thought it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed the story, the way it played out, the way it tied into Gambit's character. The art was probably a bit more so-so than in other issues, but still, it was decent. Overall, uh, despite there being some problems in the Gambit collection, I mean, I think the whole New Sun's plan is a pretty big flaw. This book was mostly enjoyable. I'm going to give this a rating of somewhat classy. I did enjoy reading this book, and I also enjoyed the entire Gambit series. All right, well, now we're heading back to the Golden Age, and... Uh, Volume 8 of the uh, All-Star Comics Archives, uh, collecting the Golden Age uh, Adventures of the Justice Society of America. And this book has an introduction by Roy Thomas, who's such a huge uh, fan of Golden Age comics, and the Justice Society in particular. Uh, and there are five stories in here. The book starts off with the Wiles of the Wizard, which introduces, uh, well, several things. First of all, uh, Johnny Thunder no longer has his own individual chapters uh, in the book. Uh, Justice Society books typically had uh, the uh, heroes all going their separate ways and then coming back together at the end. Here he's just kind of hanging around uh, as the others go off to uh, deal with the issue. Uh, and I think that's actually better uh, just because Johnny Thunder... Uh, his uh, stories, you know, even when the tone of the rest of the book is kind of serious, his stories tended just to be so, you know, off the wall and uh, would have a big problem solved by dumb luck. I really do think it's better him being in the background. Uh, the book starts out with issue 34 from uh, April and May of 1947. And it introduces a villain named the Wizard. Uh, and he starts out as uh, someone who is uh, convinced that the Justice Society is only pretending to be heroes. And uh, they go off to stop uh, crimes. And it's at each point that he insists that they are open to bribery and uh, persuasion. They aren't. But uh, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable story. And the wizard becomes important as the rest of the book uh, goes on. The day that dropped out of the time saw a John Broom taking over as the writer for Gardner Fox, and he decided to do a sci-fi tale, and it's a bit out there uh, in terms of uh, the time travel elements. I had trouble following it, but it was kind of fun, and it also uh, introduced a villain to the Justice Society by the name of Perdegaton. And it's, you know, it's got a lot of complicated stuff for a time travel tale. And it, yeah, I think it does work that way. It's uh, a little confusing, but a, a quite a bit of fun. And then we get into Five Drowned Men. And the plot of this is that uh, there are waters out west that, if you drink them, will essentially make you 
utterly uh, ruthless and without ethics when it comes to pursuing uh, your passions and uh, how your worst motivations come to light. This is an interesting look at how humans might act with all inhibitions removed. Um, and of course, uh, this also features a couple of guest stars. Because in the story, the Adam is hurt playing basketball and Johnny uh, Thunder's not able to make it. So a couple uh, honorary members who hadn't been seen in the book or even acknowledged since 1943 showed up and took on the uh, strips of the missing uh, characters. And those were Batman and Superman. Batman and Superman in the Justice Society story. And it's an interesting tale, a solid ending, good twist, and it's also nice to have Superman and Batman actually show up in this. You also get a big, big story in issue 37, The Injustice Society of the World. And what this did is it brought back a lot of the villains the uh, Justice Society had been battling, and you got a villain team to fight against them. And they actually uh, uh, inflicted some big hits on the Justice Society and captured their members, except for Green Lantern, who was presumed to be dead. The one thing that disappointed me about this story is that I was hoping that uh, Wonder Woman and even uh, Johnny Thunder might be part of the rescue or stemming the tide of the uh, bad guys. But we learn that uh, they were captured uh, coming to help, and that actually happened off panel. Although another hero is able to lend a hand uh, and help the Justice Society uh, triumph. And then we get another uh, milestone in issue... 38, which opens with all of the regular JSA members being killed off by historic villains uh, who have shown up to attack uh, the world. And it actually comes down to a Wonder Woman uh, to uh, get in touch with a scientist from her book, uh, Paula, in order to find a way to revive them, even though they seem to have died. Uh, this book also guest stars uh, Black Canary, who uh, had brought in Johnny Thunder, uh, presuming him to be dead. But she then helps out with the team-up, and this is her first appearance in a Justice Society story, and would set her up for further inclusion. Uh, this one is interesting because you don't get the separate chapters, rather you get one whole big long story. And uh, I'd mentioned uh, a few years back that a, or a few months back, I should say, uh, there were a couple of Seven Soldiers of Victory stories that did something similar. I think it works here for the Justice Society, and it gives them more scope rather than dealing with uh, several smaller adventures. It's a little melodramatic, but I like the change in overall format. The book also features a very enthusiastic introduction from Roy Thomas, who is such a huge uh, Justice Society fan. And I think that I really enjoyed this volume, particularly with the reduced role for uh, Johnny Thunder 
And uh, I th- I think that uh, All-Star Comics uh, Archives Volume 8 gets a rating of very classy. And again, Gambit, uh, the Complete Collection Volume 2 gets a rating of somewhat classy. All right, that'll do it for today. If you do have a comment, email it to me, ClassyComicsGuy at uh, gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. And uh, be sure and rate and review the program on iTunes. In the meantime, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.